You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Before we get into our second part of this series called A Christmas Fulfilled, I'd like for us to just do a simple spiritual, emotional, mental inventory. And I just want to ask you a few questions. If it helps you to close your eyes and push out distractions, you can do that. Or if it helps you to keep your eyes open, do that. Where is your fulfillment level in this Christmas right now? Let's even on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being completely not good, unhealthy in all forms, and 10 being it couldn't be better. Where are you? Where is your fulfillment? Is it based on circumstances? Is it based on other people? Is it based on what others think and say about you? Or is it fully grounded in who you are in Christ Jesus? Where are you in that? And again, there's no right answer. It's your answer. It's where, you're, where you are. Let me ask you this. Are you finding joy in this season? And I get it. Christmas for some here, is not joyful. It's lonely. It's a bitter reminder of those who we hold so dear aren't with us anymore. Possibly a tragic incident or situation happened during Christmas in your life. And when Christmas comes about, you just kind of want to shut down and ignore it. But what we're going to see today is Christ's joy is available to us in the darkest, lowest valley and the most joyful, highest, victorious mountaintop. Joy that Christ gives us is not based on feelings and it's not based on circumstances. It's fully based on what God offers us in his son, Jesus. Where's your joy? And it's okay to say, I'm a zero. I have no joy. <laughs> Thanks. But this is a self-assessment. Shh. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Anita. I love Anita's passion and enthusiasm. And I hope we can all get to that place where we have enthusiasm like that. And last question. Where's your tank, your energy, your stress? Is it empty? I hear giggles. <laughs> Where's your tank? Where's your emotional energy? Some of you are going through some really difficult times right now. 
And if I'm being honest and being transparent with you, the season has brought my tank to probably an all-time low. <laughs> and I'm learning that the only one that can fulfill the tank is Jesus. And I hope that encourages you today. But before we get into this wonderful Christmas message of having a fulfilled Christmas, I think we need to be honest of where we're at. Because Jesus, as you see him in the Gospels, he doesn't wait for people to get to a place of joy and spiritual maturity before he meets them. Many instances we see in the Gospels is where Jesus meets people in their all-time low. That's where he meets them. And he wants to meet us, even if your answers to these questions were anywhere from zero to five. That's the perfect opportunity that Jesus wants to enter the scene or the stage of your life and transform it. Not by information, not by circumstances and not by feelings, but by transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, in the part one of this series called A Christmas Fulfilled, we saw how Jesus fulfilled everything that we see in the Old Testament. And we did a nine-week series called Line It Up. Jesus lined it up to perfection because he was the perfect son of God. And we see in Scripture that he is the creator. Jesus Christ, God, created all things by him and for him. And by him all things hold together. He's the savior of the world. It says he was slain for our sins before the foundations of the world. Meaning, Jesus is our plan A. He is the promised one who crushed the head of the serpent when he died on the cross. He is the promised anointed one set apart to reconcile us to God. That's Jesus. That's my Savior. That's who he is. He's the Passover lamb where his blood that covers anybody who believes and receives in his sacrifice. Sin and death must pass over. The Passover lamb. He fulfilled the entire law. Why? Because he was God. He who knew no sin. Holy. Perfect. Righteous. One in, in, in the Lord. Became our sin. So that we would become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? So we would be made right. With the holy God once again. He is the only way to the kingdom of God. No other door can you get to the kingdom of God but through Jesus Christ. Period. Everything else is a lie. He also is the curtain or the veil that represented the separation between us and God that was torn in two to allow us to be with God, but here's the key, for God to be with us and in us. We now 
We now are the temple of God where his presence resides because Jesus was our sacrifice. And we also know that Jesus, because he fulfilled all things, he will bring us to our heavenly kingdom home once and forevermore. Whether we leave this body through what we call death on earth, separation, our spirit from our body, or whether Jesus comes before we take our last breath, he will come to take us home. Do you realize as Christians, this is not your home? So if you're living for this world, you are proving that that is your home. We really need to think about how we're living and what we prioritize determines what is important and valuable. We are storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth, that will one day fade and come to nothing. That was my intro. No, gosh, gosh, no, 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 stop, stop it, stop it. <laughs> um, you'll, you'll find it very interesting after that intro of the title of this message. It is the simplicity of Jesus. So hopefully the message of this will be a lot simpler than that whole list of lining it up. The simplicity of of Jesus. I don't know about you. Some of you can remember the day, the time, and the location where Jesus got a hold of your heart. Some of you, it was just a gradual experience of growing with God, and the light just went off. But if you can remember when Jesus started to change your life, go back to that moment for an, just for a minute. Remember how simple it was? Just inviting him to take over. Do you remember what a relief where things felt lighter? Things that held you down were like wax just melted off you. Burdens that you carried, gone. Some bad habits and cravings completely disappeared. In other circumstances, strength, strength to avoid those cravings and temptations became real to you. Jesus is so simple in the sense of how he came the simplicity of Jesus, of how he came, how he lived, and his instructions for us to live are all simple. And we live in a culture that complicates everything. Churches no longer are simple. Doctrines are no longer simple. They're complex and they almost feel like we can never achieve it. Have you been to a church like that? Or, or, or maybe you have an experience like that? And we're going to see in this message that not only Jesus came in a simple way, and not only He lived such a simple life, 
But following Jesus in this ever-challenging dark world actually can be simple. How many of you just long to get back to the simplicity? I do. And so follow with me. We're going to turn to John. John in the, uh, the, the Gospels in your New Testament. You can go to your Bible app. It should be on the screen. John 3, 16. How many of you, is that your first verse you read or memorized? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son, Jesus, the son of God, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Friends, that's as simple as it gets. You are worth the murdering of Jesus Christ. Doesn't sound simple. It cost his life, cost everything, but it's that simple. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And he has displayed it by dying on the cross to take your place. That is the simple gospel. Let's look on how he came. How he came. And I just want you to keep John 3.16 in your minds and your hearts. Because that is going to be the banner in which covers this entire message. That he came. He loved us and he came to die for us. To be his forevermore. How he came. But as we see and as we know. He is the King of kings. Amen? He is the Lord of lords. Amen? He is in control and He fulfilled all things. Amen? Nothing goes past His knowledge or permission. Nothing passes without Him giving allowance to it. He is God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Would you agree? Amen. And yet, He did not enter this world like that. He was that. But so many people missed it because they were expecting the king to come as a king in their expectations. He could have come down, robed in majesty, enforcing his rule and reign in which the disciples and the Jews wanted so deeply. He could have reigned with power and authority with the defense of ten thousands of angels from on high. And yet, we read in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 9 through 10, we read this. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. So that by his poverty he could make you rich. 
He became poor so you could be rich. We see this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor. And that is how Jesus came. He entered his heavenly rescue mission in the very same way that he completed it. In divine humility. Meekness. Mercy. Peace. And unconditional love as we see in an innocent infant baby. There are so many implications when we look at how Jesus came to our lives. How simple. He came in the most simplest form. There's a song called Winter Snow, and it's actually on Chris Tomlin's very first Christmas album. And I'd love for you just to look at these lyrics because I just think it poetically and creatively just gives us a whole new perspective. It says this, you could have come like a mighty storm with all the strength of a hurricane. You could have come like a forest fire with the power of heaven in your flame. But you came like a winter snow. Quiet, soft, and low. Falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. Your voice wasn't in the bush burning. No, your voice wasn't in a rushing wind. It was still. So small. And it was hidden in a baby's cry. You came like a winter snow. So quiet, so soft, so slow. Falling from the night, from the sky, excuse me, in the night to the earth below. When we enter this Christmas and as we move forward this Christmas season, may we not forget the simplicity of how Jesus came for you and me and worship him for what he has done. The second thing I want to focus on is how he lived. How Jesus lived as we see in the Gospels. And the beloved apostle uh, John, the beloved, who was exiled for his faith in Jesus to the island of Patmos, he wrote that not a single page, and we couldn't withhold the books and the writings of everything that Jesus did when he was here. The books in all the libraries of the world couldn't contain. So we have to understand that there's so much more to the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus than just these Gospels. and the New Testament letters, Christ is infinite. How he lived. 
but with the New Testament that we have. And with the eyewitness encounters of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the risen Son of God, we can see the simplicity that Jesus brings. The first thing that we see, there's three specific things that made Jesus' Jesus's life simple. The first one was the way he abided in the Father. It was through prayer. It was a life of abiding with his Father through intentional and significant isolation of prayer. Moment by moment, the Father of God in the Spirit was with Jesus. And yet he still isolated himself to abide with the Father. For we know that his strength only came from his abiding and remaining with the Father. And you and I are no different. Let's look at Luke in the Gospels. It's right before the chapter of, uh, or the book of John. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. Jesus kept very simplistic priorities. And he was able to maintain a simplistic life because those priorities are what guided him all the time. And this is number one, abiding with the Father. He says this, but despite Jesus' instructions... The report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I have used this phrase before and I believe this is where this phrase comes into play. Going dark. It's not a negative thing. It's a military term. And those who are our veterans probably know this. But going dark was a term of a mission, especially in the special ops, where they would go off any communication, any radar, anything at all, to where they isolated themselves to the mission and the mission alone. You couldn't reach them. You couldn't hear from them. They were going dark. And that's what Jesus did. To the point where the disciples had no idea where he was sometimes. And they woke up and he's coming out of the woods or wherever they're at. And they're like, where have you been? People are waiting to get to, get to know you for your autograph, Jesus. <laughs> and he said, this was more important time with my father. And so friends, we see the key essential to a simplistic life is abiding with Jesus. And we're going to get to that in a minute. The second thing that we see that stayed so simple to Jesus was obedience. Obedience. Jesus was the son of God. He had all authority in heaven and earth. And yet he submitted himself to the father's will, even to the point of death on a cross. 
What obedience is displayed there? Obedience. Let's look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do, say that word, nothing. Try it again. The Son can do on His own accord. But only what He sees, say this word, the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. We see this in the baptism of Jesus. The skies opened and the Holy Spirit came and there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What is the very first thing Jesus did after the baptism? Do you know? Do you know? He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness being tested by Satan. If that's not obedience, after the confirmation, he is my son. Whew. The father and the son were one. And the fruit of that oneness was obedience and full submission. And the third thing that led a simple life for Jesus that he has displayed for all of us is his love-driven compassion. Let's look at Scripture. Because Scripture needs to confirm this in order for us to believe it. Amen? Let's look at it. Mark, verse 6, 34. Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and he had, what's that word? On them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, keep that scripture on the screen, and I'm just going to go down several others that confirm this point. Luke 7 13, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep, for you are healed. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Will you feed them? And he did a miracle by multiplying the fish and the loaves for 5,000 men that did not include women and children. Compassion drove everything he did. Why? Because compassion is everything he is. It's his nature. Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew 20, he moved, excuse me, moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight. And followed him. Compassion. So we see these three things in Jesus. That are truly simple. Yet truly divine. He abided and remained in the Father. 
and many times isolating himself to abide in the Father. He submitted his will to the Father's. Philippians 2 said he became human flesh. He emptied himself. He served. He became a servant and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Obedience flowed out of his oneness with his father. And he loved unconditionally because that is who he is. And so now I want to spend the remaining of our time on Jesus' simple instructions for our lives this Christmas into 2023. I speak this to myself because I struggle in this area just as you do. But I wonder, as I've been preparing this message, I've wondered, God, what would my life look like right now and into the new year if I kept these three things my only priorities? Teens and students here, what would happen? What would school look like? What would the pressures of the world right now on you, and all that you're experiencing and going through, what would it look like if you held to these three simple life principles and every day you made them the main thing? Let's look at them again and see how this can bring a fulfilled life within us. The key verse we're going to look at for all of this is Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. Tech team, you're amazing, by the way. Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Some translations say all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second, he's not saying it's a second. He's basically saying, and it's just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the thing. It even goes on to say that this sums up all the laws of the prophets. So those of you who were with us when we did the lineup series, Jesus is saying all the Ten Commandments and all the laws that we see are wrapped up in this. Love God with all that you are. And bear the fruit that shows that through your love for others. It's interesting. I know for me, I'm only speaking for me. I'm like, yes, I love you, God, with everything I am. But loving that person, mm, right? That's when God says, are you sure everything? That's why I've adapted a prayer lately that says, God, I give you everyone and everything to you. Everyone and everything to you, God. I give it to you. And there's such freedom in doing that. And so number one, to keep it simple. Many of you are thinking of the acronym KISS, aren't you? Keep it simple. And we're not going to say that last word. Because that's not what the Father would say to us. He would say, keep it simple, 
son. Because the one that would say stupid, that would be the accuser of the brethren. The accuser. And he would also say, keep it simple, sweet daughter. Keep it simple. Follow me. So let's follow Jesus in the simplicity of life. Number one is our abiding. Through prayer and complete reliance on Jesus. Abide in him through prayer and complete dependence on him. Paul says it this way, never stop praying. It doesn't mean that we're 24-7 in our prayer closet going through communication with God. It means whatever you do, in word or deed, do unto Christ. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, whatever circumstance we're facing, we remain in Him. That's hard to do, but it is a simple principle. I would love for you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to John 15. John 15. We're going to stay here for just a minute. John 15, starting with verse 5. Guys, this is powerful. By the way, real quick, and this, this may be a horrible illustration, but I thought about this this morning because um, my daughter, my, my son had strep this week, and now my daughter's got it, and so we get the antibiotics for them. And you know, if, if you've ever gotten a medicine or an antibiotic from the, um, the pharmacy, it usually comes in a bag, right? And on the front of the bag usually is your information. And then it says below with like a highlighted yellow, take twice a day for 10 days and throw the rest away. So they basically, the pharmacy is saying, this is the most important thing you need to do. But as you open the bag and you look at the bottle or you look, a lot of times it comes in with like a 10-chapter booklet, <laughs> right? You never read it all. But it comes with all of the special details, the details you want to know and the details you don't want to know, along with all the symptoms and possibly death. Do you love those commercials? Take this prescription, but you will die. But this is exactly what Jesus is doing when he says, love the Lord your God with everything and love others as yourself. That is the prescription. But we look at all of Jesus' teachings and ministry moments, and it is the booklet that backs up the prescription. And we're going to see that in John 15. Let's look at it. It all lines up. Jesus replied, he says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He's using an illustration of a vine. And he says, you are the branches. Those who remain, say remain. Those who abide, say abide. It's the same word. Those who abide or remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Say this last sentence with, with me as loud as you can. Ready? For apart from me. Nothing. What did Jesus say? He said, the Son only does what the Father does. 
If the Father's not doing it, He ain't doing it. Apart from the Father, He can do nothing. And that is the same simple principle for you and me. If you're trying to do things apart from God, stop it. Or else it's going to stop you. If you're trying to do something out of your control and apart from God, stop it. Or it will work against you to stop you. How many times in life do we try to fix things and even tell God how to be God? Has it worked for anyone? <laughs> yeah. Abide. 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 Remain in Jesus. How can you do that this week? We'll get to that in the application. The second simple principle is obedience. And we don't like that word. Because usually obedience seems like punishment, dictatorship. You do this whether you like it or not. The obedience Jesus is talking about is full submission. Joy. Joy to obey. Because you know the Father loves you and His presence lives in you. And obedience is the fruit of you abiding in Him. You want to obey the Father for it pleases Him. And when it pleases Him, it blesses you. Mom and Dad, what we try to get through the thick skulls of our kids. I never believed my dad when he had the belt in his hand and says, I love you. What? Obedience is a fruit that comes down as a byproduct from us abiding in the Father. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 in the Old Testament, Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings, and that measures to what we do in service to God. Or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. First John says, if you love me, you will obey me. Any of you familiar with the uh, 1970s and 80s Keith Green worship songwriter? This song smacks me in the face every time. Now, I'm not saying this is scripture, but this is a creative license of understanding that God wants our obedience and not our Christian activity. Listen to these words, and I'm just going to give you a warning. You might have to wipe your face off from the floor. <laughs> it goes like this. To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear you say that I'm coming back soon. But you act like I'm not coming at all. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want more than Sunday and Wednesday nights. To obey is better than sacrifice. I want hearts of fire, not your prayers of ice. 
And I'm coming quickly to give back to you according to what you have done. The Christian life is not about program and practices. This is going to set someone free today. The Christian life is not about programs and practices. The Christian life is about abiding in God. And the God of the universe abiding in you. And you flowing in and out, side by side, backwards and forwards with the Spirit of God in your obedience and submission to Him. When it's good, when it's bad, and when it feels impossible. For Jesus says, nothing is impossible for those who believe. Where are you? To obey is better than sacrifice. There is such joy in obeying the Father. So we abide in Him. We obey Him. And then we live a life driven by love because He first loved us. And if truly His nature is in us, then our nature is love. And when our nature isn't love, that's showing that the sinful nature is on the throne. And the sinful nature needs to come off the throne so that the nature of God sits on the throne and it is proven by the fruit of our love. Look at John chapter 15. Verse 9 through 11, this is the same John we just read from about the vine and the branches. Look how it continues. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide. Remain in my love. Means don't leave it. Cling to it. Walk in it. Rest in it. Breathe it. Eat it. Sleep it. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in me and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Who wants some fullness of joy this morning? It is that simple. Do you remember... In libraries, and it still is today, do you know what a bookend is? You know those bookends that kind of have a, it looks like a right angle. They go on one side of the books and the, uh, the other side. I used to have this gemstone uh, that they split open, and it was so beautiful, and it was heavy, and it would hold all the books together so that what? They didn't fall off the shelf. They didn't lean to the right. They didn't lean to the left, but they were in perfect order. And Jesus is giving us the ingredients to perfect order of a fulfilled life. Don't miss it. One bookend is abiding and remaining in Christ. Remaining in Christ. The other bookend is fullness of joy. If you stay within those bookends, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You can have fullness of joy because you're abiding in Jesus. 
what would this church look like? What would our relationships and families and marriages look like if we lived within those bookends of simplicity, abiding in Jesus, fullness of joy? What if we measured the success of our life through that? It's so simple. Band, you can come on up. It's so simple. And yet very few live it. Because we don't want to die to ourselves. And that is the complicated, difficult challenge for all of us. The life of Jesus is simple. Sacrificing and dying to ourselves is impossible without God. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I just want to ask you those three things that we see in Jesus' life. How can you remain and abide in Jesus starting right now? Are you willing to devote the first five minutes of your morning Maybe before you even get your cup of coffee. Before you look at your cell phone. And just abide in God. Align yourself with God. Are you willing to take a couple minutes at lunch break? To connect with God. To read his word. To ask God to consume you and to love you, to provide you, for you, to worship him. Friends, we, it's so crucial we do this because if we don't abide and remain, we're abiding and remaining in something other than Jesus. Second of all, where, where are you able to Obey God's word. We're right now, maybe the Lord nudging you through the Holy Spirit. You've just been in disobedience to what he's telling you and speaking to you. It's time to surrender and receive his fullness of joy through obeying what God speaking to your heart. And thirdly, where in your life are you lacking compassion? Where are you clinging to build bitterness rather than forgiveness? Has your heart become hard? Do you need God to soften it again? Come to the altar. Allow him to soften you. If you want to fulfill Christmas and you want a life that is fulfilling, we must get back to the simplicity of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.